And welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Rob Paulson. Rob, legendary voice actor. You know him from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, back in the 80s, the original one, he voiced Raphael. Then came back and voiced Donatello in the 2012 version. He was the voice director in the most recent Turtles cartoon. But, I mean, Sanomaniacs for me. We all know him as Yakko Warner, Pinky, and Dr. Scratch and Sniff. I mean, then they're bringing back Animaniacs at the end of the year. It's going to be on Hulu, the original cast. I am so excited. I can't wait. We talk about that. Talk about just Rob's career in whole. But more importantly, he's a cancer survivor. He was diagnosed about four years ago with throat cancer. And if you're a voice actor, that's like the one cancer you do not want to have. But Rob persevered and he's in cancer in remission now, doing great, and he's an activist for it. We talk about that during the show. And we talk about whether or not he would voice a non-white character anymore. That's kind of been a popular trend these days now. Uh, he gives his thoughts about that. He's done it in the past. He voiced Haji on the Johnny Quest reboot back in the 80s. And he's done so much work. I mean, if you watch any cartoon in the last 40 years, chances are Rob has voiced a character on those shows. Such a nice guy. I had such a great conversation with him, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I guess I want to start off with, um, you know, a serious subject. Um, you're a throat cancer survivor, and that's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, when did you first realize that, that you had an issue? Well, it was, you know, I'm a typical guy. We discussed our desperate love for hockey before we fired this up. And having been, and still am a weekend warrior with my buddies uh, banging our melons on the ice, um, I had noticed a lump on the left side of my neck shaving one morning. And um, I, typical guy, unless I can't feel my legs or I'm bleeding profusely and I can't stop it on my own, I don't go see a doctor except for my physical once a year. And this was no different. I, I felt it, I got online after a couple of days and I said, okay, well, it could be cancer. It could also be a low grade infection could be nothing. I chose either of the latter two. And so finally, about six months later, I went to my, <clears throat> pardon me, my um, yearly physical. And I went to my internist whom I'd known for, I don't know, 15 years. I said, hey, doc, what do you think about this? And no, five seconds. Wow. He, said, he said, not good. And I thought he was getting with me. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I feel fine. I'm, I'm playing golf, I'm playing hockey, I'm working. I'm still doing my job. Um, and he said, no, no, if it were a low-grade infection, it would be kind of soft and gushy, but this is a knot. Wow. And you need to go see an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doc, like yesterday. Well, within 10 days, a couple of biopsies, it was um, diagnosed as stage three squamous cell carcinoma with uh, primary occult, which means that this is the area to which the cancer had already spread there was a, a primary tumor that was unseeable um, at the base of my tongue. Um, and <clears throat> in my case, I was told, uh, we're virtually sure we can cure you. We'll give you about an 80% cure rate. But before we do, we almost have to kill you. It's rough. 
and and it was. And mind you, I've got a great sense of humor, so I have no problem with them having a dark spin on it. Go, well, I almost have to kill you, buddy. And I'd say, well, swing away, you know. Um, so it uh, it was, uh, as you can imagine, kind of a curveball because of what I do for a living. Uh, but um, I, uh, I I have to say that be, you know before I was diagnosed, Noel, I'd had this incredibly wonderful career. Uh, not only in terms of just work, some of which have, has become, I think, arguably iconic, uh, and make it clear, I don't draw them and I don't write them. I'm just the actor. But I've had a great run with shows that have been uh, have been performed and, and, and produced by the best of the best in Hollywood. Um, so even if they had said, look, here's the deal, man, we think you're on your way out and you better go home and get your stuff in order. Uh, we'll keep you comfortable. I really had nothing to be sad about. Uh, you know, it's drag for your family, but I, I wasn't a 30 year old father with two kids. And the moment that I got my phone call that I was uh, diagnosed with cancer, at that very moment, someone is getting a phone call about their five year old or about their wife or about their, you know, their 30 year old dad. So not, never once did my wife nor my son nor I go, oh my God, why me? It was really kind of more like, well, why not me? You know, it's stuff happens to everybody, but I'm fine. Um, the treatment was pretty gnarly. A lot of chemo, a lot of radiation, uh, no surgery. Um, <clears throat> and it took me about a year and change to kind of get my chops together, but I'm back doing my job and nobody can stop me. Right. <laughs> Narf. Narf. Yeah. Now you, like you mentioned, I guess you can say you were one of the lucky ones uh, and you had the platform yeah. to share your experiences because with all your fans. So that, you know, promote the awareness of it. And there's really not much you can do to, I guess, pre prevent which type of cancer you had, correct? Right. In fact, I'm so glad. Thanks so much. This is really important, especially for people like, you know, your son's age and others. Um, my cancer, uh, this particular head and neck cancer, by the way, that is different than brain cancer. That's a separate um, discipline. Head and neck cancer, tongue, mouth, tongue, throat, uh, vocal cords, sadly. Um, but as an example of what can happen if it's not taken care of, uh, you remember um, um, our friend, um, oh gosh, uh, he, was, he worked with Roger Ebert, Okay. Uh, Gene, uh, no, it, it, it was Roger, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert, yeah. yeah. Gene said died of brain cancer. God bless him. Yeah, Roger Ebert, as you recall, when Roger left, yeah, that was rough. I mean, pretty much this was gone. And it's heartbreaking, obviously, because it's, it's the surgery required to try to prolong one's life when it gets to that point right. is draconian. It's just... They say, if you want to live, we got to remove half your face. And so that was made pretty clear to me that uh, while this is a cancer that is treatable, if left untreated, it's not a good way to go. Um, and it is an HPV-related cancer, which means human papillomavirus. So there's a sexually transmitted cancer. And it's interesting because I've had people say it gosh, I, I bet you don't want to talk about that. What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Of course I want to talk about it. 
I'm closer to the end than the beginning anyway, and I'm, I'm fine, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my, my 60s. But now there's a, a very <laughs> vaccine to prevent exactly the type of cancer that Mr. Ebert, that I, Michael Douglas, Jim Kelly, geez, yeah. you want to talk about a hero? Jim Kelly, folks, we know what he did on the gridiron. But when you see Jim Kelly talking on behalf of the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance, which I am now their spokesperson, and, and um, by the way, that's headandneck.org, where you can go and, and find a lot about this. But Mr. Kelly was the spokesman for that organization before me. And I'm a, like we discussed, big football fan. And all of Mr. Kelly's world-class Hall of Fame work on the gridiron he would argue that that's second to what he's doing now. And he is the real deal when it comes to being a hero. Um, so if it's good enough for Jim to talk about it, it's good enough for me. But with respect to the vaccine, Gardasil has been uh, suggested for young girls and young women to prevent cervical cancer, which is an HPV-related cancer as well. Now, it turns out that head and neck cancers, the, the likes of which I uh, dealt with, has surpassed cervical cancers as the most uh, prominent HPV cancer in the world. So a lot more young men are going to get head and neck cancers than women will get cervical cancer. But the good news is that the Gardasil vaccine works for young men as well. So that is really the good news. Um, it, and, and it is not for everybody in terms of age. There is a point at which it's been determined it's not as the efficacy takes, you know, starts to slide. But it certainly is worth a look. Uh, if my son were a young man, I would definitely talk to his pediatrician. Uh, and it's like anything else. It's, it's up to the parents to make the decision. But I'm telling you what, my friend, if you being kind enough to give me this forum, prevents a couple of young men or young women from going through what I went through. Whoa, you, you don't want this. It's pretty rough. But that was not available when I was a kid in 1970. Right. You know, uh, just for frame of reference, my Detroit Tigers are the Denny McLean Al Kaline yeah. 1968 Tigers. So uh, that's where I'm coming from. But anyway, thank you. Yeah. And all of it is available, all the information my story there's a lovely video put together about my particular story um uh, at headandneck.org and i encourage people to check it out just for just for their own edification and and more tools to help their children well that's great like i said before my son is 15 he had the you know the vaccination a couple years ago my daughter is 10 children he did yeah he had it good for you god that's great yeah and my, my daughter will as well so fantastic boy i I don't even know what to, you are just, I'm getting a little bit from, from mished. You, you made my day. That is the, thank you very much, my friends. I, wow. Made my day. Right. And I know, I know your short story will inspire, you know, all yeah. you well. So that's great. Now, you thank know, you. Yeah. Your career. I mean, like spent for my family spends, you know, connects generations, so to speak. I grew up watching, you know, the turtles. The original oh yeah. Of course. My son watched the uh, rebooted one. And you had a hand in both. And then the one that just came out a couple of years ago, you were the voice director. I'm the, I'm the director. We, in fact, I just directed my last session for that show uh, two days ago from here. I'm in a little vacation place in the central California coast. And 
all this technology that allows me to see your handsome face doesn't it doesn't stop here i get to work i we're, we're doing animaniacs and pinky in the brain again for hulu yeah. for this fall with mr spielberg and all i have to do is plug in my fancy little microphone here and say hello nurse and i can still work from home it's great yeah and i'll i'm definitely gonna touch upon that one sec but um with the, the turtles uh, you know being a voice director how difficult was it for you to naturally not voice one of the turtles Show. Excellent question. I'm never asked that. I'm always asked something like, which is the next turtle you want to do? You know, all of that. And, and it's an interesting story how it came to be. Um, as you mentioned, I was Raphael when you were a little guy. Right. And um, that franchise has turned out to be utterly bulletproof. No question. Almost as tough as the New York Islanders. Um, <laughs> but uh, I it was at that show with my fellow actors from a clean sheet of paper. And when you're fortunate enough to work on something uh, that is ostensibly another, just another gig, and I don't mean to, I mean, any gig is important. Right. Uh, but when you audition something, you get a couple of callbacks and you do the show called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then you see it go, what it was, which, or what, which is a clean sheet of paper to what it is now, and I can make the argument that there are places in the world that you might be able to find people who don't know who Brad Pitt is. But if you say Leonardo, they'll say, oh, yeah, you mean the turtle? <laughs> Not Da Vinci. Yeah. Um, so it is a remarkable thing. Then 25 years later, I get called by this new young group of people to probably about your age, a little bit younger, maybe, because now they have the reins to do the newest iteration of Turtles at Nickelodeon and that Viacom bought the franchise. So I get a phone call saying from my agent saying, Hey, the folks at Nickelodeon want you to come and audition for Ninja Turtles. And I said, interesting point and a, and a good lesson for actors um, and, and your own self-perception. Now, mind you, I'm a voice guy. I've done a lot of on-camera stuff, but obviously with voice work, it doesn't matter what I look like, but it's interesting. I, I was almost a victim of my own ageism because when I got the call, I said, well, yeah, I'd read in the trades that Viacom, Nickelodeon bought the franchise. But if I go into read, I was 53, 54, whatever. And um, I said, do they know who I am? And it wasn't out of arrogance. It was just because I don't want to get in there and embarrass myself or have them say, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. Well, the old guys here, let them read, you know. And it doesn't offend me. I get it. But what was interesting is because I'm not recognizable, I'm, I wasn't aware. I mean, I knew how big Turtles was, but I wasn't aware of the continuing love of the franchise because I'm not, I don't walk down the street in, in LA and have people say, oh my God, it's Raphael, you know? And so I went into Reed and all these kids in their late, in their mid thirties, late thirties, um, they were all so deferential because of not only Raphael, because of Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs and Jimmy Neutron and Tick and The Mask and all these other shows on which I'd worked. And so their point was, oh, well, we don't have a problem with your age. Do you mind reading? And I said, well, of course. I have, but I, so I learned a lesson, which was don't trust your own press. You know, don't think that you're not relevant anymore. And I'll be damned, I got the job. And so I was Donatello and that iteration, and it was very successful. It, it did really well. Um, 
Sean Astin was Raphael in that one. Yeah. Seth Green was Leonardo. And Greg Sipes, from, uh, most people know from uh, Teen Titans, and uh, was Michelangelo. But it was a wonderful version of the show. Ran for, I don't know, four years. Then that ended. And a day or two after we stopped recording that show, I get a, I get a call from the head of casting at Nickelodeon. He says, have you ever thought of directing an animated series? And I said, well, kind of, but I'm still an actor and I, it's a different kind of, I mean, I, know, I think I could do it, but not really. Why do you ask? Well, there's a new version of Ninja Turtles called Rise of the TMNT. And we don't think there's anybody in Hollywood with more turtle DNA than mm -hmm. Rob Paulson. So I have been the voice director on the show and I've loved it and not once, and to, to answer your, my long-winded answer to your very simple question, not once did I have a problem with it. I was very grateful, but I'll tell you a very, what is a really charming story um, that really it just kind of exemplifies that this work that I've been lucky enough to do, it's all about joy. It does nothing but make people happy. It's just fantastic. And the following example uh, illustrates that. The first day that we got together with the new cast and new turtles um uh josh brenner from silicon valley played uh donatello omar benson miller from ballers okay. played uh rafael um brandon michael smith um played uh michelangelo and our buddy ben schwartz played leonardo so we were doing a couple of lines took a bit of a break and I see Ben Schwartz through the glass on his phone and all of a sudden he goes, holy, you know who this guy is? Meaning, meaning me. Right. And they said, and they were all very nice. It wasn't like they were arrogant. Yeah. I just said, hi, I'm Rob and I'll be the director. Hey, Rob, nice to meet you. You know, we're gonna have a good time, all that. We said, this guy's, this guy's Raphael. This guy's Pinky. This guy's Yakko. Hey, do you still know that song with all the countries? Oh my God, dude, you know, they yeah. start, it was incredible. And so what was, my job was easy because all I had to do it, they would just say, Rob, just tell me how to say it. And it was great. So it's just been a wonderful experience. And so now I get to say I was a director, not to the extent that others are, but I was very fortunate. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, Ben voiced uh, Sonic in the Sonic movie. Yeah, in the, yeah, Ben did. Yeah, Ben was Sonic. Right, did a great yeah. job in that. Yeah. Oh, he's just, and you know, it's so great. Yeah, he did, not only did he do a great job, and he's on this great show now called Space Force with uh, Steve um, Carell. Yeah. Um, when we did the last recording session about a week ago with Ben, again, it's so charming uh, how this gig makes so many people happy. It doesn't, it, it transcends generations. It's not about money. It's not about social standing. We get done with the Ben's last gig. I said, Ben, thanks, pal. What a pleasure to get to know you. It's nice to have a new friend, all of that stuff. Very talented. Boy, that kid star is really on the rise. He's really talented and a wonderful writer. Here we are. He says, Robbie, can I, if I send you my, um, my email, would you record something as pinky for me? <laughs> it, right. It's so great yeah because I, I even had i sung the national anthem at the at dodger stadium last year about this time and i get done singing the anthem and i get a tap on my shoulder you're a sports guy you get a kick out of this and i turn around it's justin turner third baseman right all-star third baseman a zillionaire 
Yeah. And he says, are you really Raphael? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, the original one. And I said, well, yeah, dude, I, if I were going to lie about something, I'd lie about being Brad Pitt's brother, you know? And he said, oh my God. And oh, takes this Dodger jersey and there's a turtle t-shirt. <laughs> so I signed a picture right. right in front of the dugout for dust for, you know, and his wife, bless her heart, she's got like little tears in her eyes because she said, oh my God, he has every Ninja Turtle action figure on his desk at home. Oh, that's so funny. And even two years ago when they lost the World Series, there are pictures online where he had Adidas making Ninja Turtle cleats. Who knew? Yeah. But it's, it's huge. But the, you get my point. The upshot is just the utter joy that these characters bring to people, mostly me. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. It's, I guess it's like a blessing and a curse. You mentioned how you uh, start off your whole session with, with the new turtles. Yeah. And they didn't know who you were because they only know your voice. Right. Right. So, you, and then you, they realize who you are and that everyone's like, you know, bowing down to your feet. So it's, it's got to be, you know, good and bad. In that it, it, well, you know, honestly, I have to say there is no bad to it. People, um, and I understand the nature of celebrity. You do too. You have friends who are famous. You mentioned your buddy, Mike. Mark Bartan is a, he's a movie actor, handsome, talented, great guy. Um, and he's a recognizable guy. But in my case, like I said earlier, it's the characters who are famous. I don't draw them and I don't write them. I'm good at my job, but no better than the people who create these characters visually. Uh, but I got to tell you, when it works, um, it is just this side of magical because it is timeless. Bugs Bunny is 75 years old. Mr. Blank has been dead for, I don't know, 30 years or something like that, yeah. 25 years, doesn't matter. And obviously there are new wonderful actors to take over, but you can watch Bugs Bunny cartoons from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and they'll blow your brains out with cleverness, still relevant. Good stuff is good stuff. Bugs Bunny inspired Steven Spielberg. So what does that tell you? Right. And, and, and so while I don't get, I, let me take it back. I, I get recognized more in person than I used to simply because I've been around for so long and nice people like you do this. Right. Um, but what is always, it never fails, is young, old, older than I, way younger than your own son, when they find out, who I am, it's just this happens. Right. You know, what, what? Oh my God. Hey, honey, do you know who the, every time, if I go into pitch a show at Netflix with a, with a pal, the people who I'm pitching to are 35. So I don't even know the number of times this happened where I'm leaving a meeting and they'll say, Rob, hang on a second. Hey, great pitch, by the way. We'll, we'll get back to you. Yeah. My Ryle action figure. Would you mind signing this for me? How can I quantify that compliment? It's just, I'm such a lottery winner. So whether or not people recognize my face, I kind of have this shy smile because um, uh, once I was at the Apple store the other day, it happens all the time. That's why I can't shut up. This was literally three days ago. Right. Apple store here in San Luis Obispo, California. I went in for a part. I had a, had a mask on that a fan had made me of Yakko. Okay. The little girl working, uh, sounds, I'm sorry, the young woman, give me. Right. Uh, but anybody, you know, I'm anybody's a little girl to me, except you, you're a little boy. Okay. But you're welcome. Um, so I'm doing my thing and she says, oh my God, I love your mask. I said, really, did you like Animaniacs? She said, oh, 
That was so my jam. Yakko was my spirit animal. And I said, oh, well, you're talking to the right guy. And she went, oh my God, that sounds just like him. And I said, well, <laughs> it just so happens. And my friend, within 10 minutes, the manager comes over, who is an Animaniacs freak and plays Animaniacs cartoons in the Apple store. Wow. Didn't know who I was. Right. I don't, I'd never met her. Within 10 minutes, we have the Apple employees singing United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. It was glorious. So uh, utterly people who have never met me, I'll probably never see again. But that five minutes meant so much to them and I'll never forget it. Right. it and, and it would happen at almost any place I go. It's, it's really something and I'm so fortunate. Right now, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Now, have you ever used like one of your voices for like, I want to say personal game, but kind of play for various purposes? Exactly, you know, for like you know a prank on somebody. Sure. Oh yeah. In fact, um, uh, my son, when you know when turtles really hit, uh, he said, um, "Why don't you see what happens when you call Dominoes as Raphael?" So I did, and you know, the guy goes, dude, you sound just like him. I said, well, I really am, and blah, blah, blah. You know, this is where I live. And, really? Oh my God. If I bring, you know, would you sign a pizza box? And I said, sure. So then what starts happening is I'm signing, you know, to, Dom, you know, to Domino's, Agora Hills, California. Turtle power, dude. Thanks for the pizza, whatever. So then we start getting Domino's people coming over, not to deliver pizza, just to say, I, I'm so sorry to bother you, but my buddy tells me you're Raphael, really? I said, yeah, yeah, I really am. He goes, oh, my God. Or, you know, they'll look me up online and say, geez, you really are the guy. So it was just the best. Um, and also, it was really great for my son, man. My, can you imagine? I was just about, like, if my dad had been Gordie Howe, that was about the same for him. You know, like, oh, my God, my old man is Raphael. Um, also, it happened with uh, McDonald's had Animaniacs, uh, Happy Meal toys. Right. Yeah. So he said, I'll bet you won't go through the drive-thru and talk as Yakko. I said, drive-thru, how may I help you? Hi, yeah, I'd like 37 Big Macs, eight of them with no meat, 14 with no sesame seeds, one or two with, oh, maybe one with lettuce. And who is this idiot? Yeah. Well, I, you know, it'd come out and they'd say, oh my God, it's really the guy. And then they would bring me in and sign the Happy Meal display. So it, it's, there's no downside. It's just joyful. And I can't get enough of it. I'm, uh, I, I, it's mind blowing to me. And, and now when I get to do things like this, and of course things are pretty much shut down convention wise and stuff, um, but they'll be back. I've been to, I don't know, 60 or 70 conventions around the world. And the stories I hear, um, you know, from, uh, people who tell me the extent to which these characters have connected with them on such a deep level. Um, it got me through my time in the foster system. Uh, my parents had a very acrimonious divorce, but I, I clung on to whatever show. Uh, I did three tours of duty in Afghanistan. And when I would come back from platoon and being, on, being out on platoon, on patrol, and my job, of course, was to kill the bad guys and not get killed myself. And I was 22 years old, and I'd go back and be back at camp for two days, and I'd have a couple of beers and watch Pinky and the Brain. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 
That's stuff I hear all the time, man. This is way bigger than a, than a paycheck. Right. And, you know, laughter and smiles, they're, they're a great medicine. It, it really is. You know? It really is. It is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. That's right. what I said. Yeah. 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 Now, I'm, I don't want to ask you, because I'm sure you get this question all the time, your favorite character, but I want to ask you this. Um, was there a character that you voiced and then after you watched a show that you just didn't feel that you did the performance right? Or the show just itself wasn't, you know, up to your standard? Yeah, yeah certainly. Look, I have had arguably more than my share of hits. Right. Um, but nothing is, is, you know, nothing is always going to be knocked over the center field bleachers. You know, it's... Um, but I can tell you this, I do know this for 100% uh, factually, nobody takes 20, 30 million bucks of somebody else's money and tries to make a piece of junk. Right. Um, it is a difficult thing to come up with something that, that hits on all cylinders, continues to entertain people for decades, sells merchandise, um, and when it happens, it's kind of like lightning in a bottle. I've had a couple of shows on which I've looked back and say, boy, that just didn't work. It just did not work. And it was not for lack of trying of ever. Right. Um, I, I, uh, I've also had the opposite happen where I've been in the middle of a show and I look at my friends and go, oh man, you better mark this moment because we got a job for five years, man. We are going to make so much dough and we're going to bleed. We're going to be doing this and we'll be doing commercials to sell blah, blah, blah. Crickets. So you just never know. Uh, I do know that I've had the good fortune of working with Mr. Spielberg on half a dozen different projects. And I've learned like the rest of the world, not to bet against them. Um, my friend, Tom Ruger, who created Tiny Toon Adventures and Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain, uh, with, you know, with Amblin and Warner Brothers and all that, um, is an unqualified genius, his own bad self. Uh, but I, the first time I worked with Mr. Spielberg was on E.T. I did a bunch of voice stuff uh, for a couple of days. Then I got an on-camera gig uh, at a show called Amazing Stories. Right. Um, then I started working with him on Tiny Toon Adventures then Animaniacs, then Pinky and the Brain, and Freakazoid, and now Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs again. And now he's 10 years older than I. And even when you look at Steven, and there's, by the way, for those of you who are fans of Mr. Spielberg, and pretty much that's anybody with a pulse, right. um, there's a wonderful eponymous uh, bio just called Spielberg. Um, and um, uh, from HBO a couple years ago, and I'll be damned, right in the middle of it, right between... War Horse and Schindler's List is a nice chunk of Tiny Toons, Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs. What that tells me, and I'm living it even right now, is that Mr. Spielberg puts his heart and soul into everything he does. Cartoons to him are not just like, well, it's a cartoon. It's like, oh, no, 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 this is, this is how I got my start. Right. And he's right. Um, so there are a few people who have whatever that magic touch is. And moreover, there are, fr there are franchises. Now, Mr. Spielberg is involved with the new, new Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain, like the old one. But when you get something like Ninja Turtles, my God, it's on its, what, fifth iteration? 
those guys, uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, I, I don't know Peter very well. I know Kevin very well. And I promise you, once a year, I see him two or three times a year at events, but once a year, I generally say, Kev, really, did you have any idea? Just like you're, it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, he could say it was a couple of guys in Maine drinking bong water one day and they thought, what's going to be funny? Yeah. And, but the glory about that show to me is obviously I've, I've gained a lot uh, professionally and financially from that franchise. But what that show has done is inspired thousands of young artists uh, to follow their dream of being a, a, a creator. Uh, often against the wishes of their parents. Do you know what I mean? They, they do something, they go, no, wait a minute, man, my Jones to draw or paint or sculpt or do stuff on the computer is so inspired by Ninja Turtles. I want to do that. And you will, you're much younger than I, you'll be having this chat with some guy years after I'm dead about the 15th iteration of Ninja Turtles. Right. And it's still popular. That's something that's really unusual when you have something that was created, but different producers get a hold of it and it's still bulletproof. Yeah. That's really unusual. So, um, yeah, I've had a, a few that I've been real clinkers, um, <clears throat> but it's not for lack of trying. Uh, and, um, and I still got paid. So, <laughs> you know, I can't complain. Right. It's, it's almost like Turtles has become like Scooby-Doo. Because it's yeah. like, you know, variations of Scooby-Doo, some, some don't, and then, you know, live action movie, they just came out the new animated one, and Turtles, right. you know, every iteration might not be as good as the previous one, it might, it's still good, but, you know, and then the live action movies, and probably working on another one, and it's... Right, you know, well, and the, and the thing is, the thing is, you, you said it, it might not be as good, it might be better, whatever, but what I love about it is is that it's, it's up to each individual... Um, audience member yeah. and moreover each individual generation right um to say uh god my mom and dad used to watch scooby-doo and you know what i kind of like it or eh it's not for me i like rick and morty right. i like that too i'm yeah. on rick and morty as well so but um what is really interesting now though in this day and age with the technology that we're taking advantage of right now kind of um when animaniacs and pinky and the brain come out on hulu this fall, yeah. uh, right now, Hulu is streaming the original right. shows. But you and your son will be able to sit down and watch what might be your favorite episode of Pinky and the Brain from 1997. And literally watch a brand new one from 2020 yeah. with whatever time it takes for the new episode to load. Right. And there will have been a 25-year gap, same actors, yeah. Steven Spielberg, different writing staff, but the, the, the characters will look the same and everything. But that's something that has never happened in show business before, certainly not in my lifetime, that you will go and say, wow, I either like the new one or I don't, or I like it better or I don't. Yeah. But it's an incredibly interesting challenge, which I relish because... Uh, I get to do it again, firstly, but to be able to just go, um, oh, here's one, you know, or, or an updated version of the countries of the world song. Right. And so you can watch me, you know, Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana from 
2000 from 1993 yeah and then boom 2020 with um montenegro and bosnia herzegovina the soviet union is gone you right. know upgraded one yeah you're going holy shit it's yakko yeah. but it's 25 years later it's it's mind-blowing I mean, I don't, I don't want you to give away, you know, uh, any secrets, but the opening of obviously the one in the nineties ended with, you know, Bill Clinton. So I'm right. saying that was updated. Right? Yes. Okay. Well, and that's the thing is because as you recall, it says, Animani, totally insaney. Here's the show's namey. Um, Eisenhower, Mamie, Dana Delaney, um, Pinky and the Brainy. And so, um, yeah, we said we're, we're, uh, Yakko packs away the or Wacko packs away the snacks while Bill Clinton plays the sax, yeah. and uh, yeah, rest assured that the uh, the fact that the zeitgeist is different and there are all sorts of new sacred cows to lampoon, of course, um, it is not lost on Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. They they're still pretty subversive. It's pretty neat. Good, especially the wackiness that this year has brought us for sure. <laughs> oh my god well uh the the new showrunner is wellesley wilde who is a very bright man and and was a co-writer and co-producer on the ted movies he's um uh, uh seth's right hand guy and family guy so he gets it right. he's got a really keen yeah. subversive uh you know sense of humor um and for and was hand chosen by warner brothers and and mr spielberg so and Stephen is hyper involved in the new show. Okay. Approves everything. Approved the casting. To his incredible. Well, he doesn't need my endorsement. Yep. But what's so neat to know about people like Mr. Spielberg? Um, I don't bowl with the guy, but I've worked with him quite a bit. And you know that when uh, Animaniacs and Pink in the Brain were being pitched, it was clear from the beginning and Mr. Spielberg made it clear that when we do this, uh, we know that Rob Paulson, Tress McNeil, who's Dot, Jess Harnell, who's Wacko, and Maurice LaMarche, who's my friend the brain, are not only uh, willing to do it, but they kill it, they still do it. So he's a, a nerd and a geek just like the rest of us. He knows that Yakko, Wacko, and Dot and Pinky and the Brain are not about celebrity, they're about authenticity. And if you have the original actors who are able and they want to do it, why on earth would you hire celebrities to be the voices of these characters? And so to Mr. Spielberg's credit, it never occurred to him as far as I know, to, should we do stunt casting in this? It's like, no, I see Rob. Rob does these live performances around the country with Animaniacs in concert. Yeah. He sings all those songs like it was yesterday. Why would we hire somebody else? And I, I not only is that really um, an incredibly wonderful thing for a rank and file, non-celebrity talent like me, it speaks to what Mr. Spielberg is about. It's, he's, he's just such an authentic guy. And, and man, he, he really is an example of how to behave if you are able to cultivate anything resembling celebrity. Mr. Spielberg was a great guy to, uh, to model your behavior after. Right. And it's because, you know, some casting doesn't work. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's, if, if you have the ability 
to hire the original voice talent on an animated show, why not use them? Right. You know, it happened with the Powerpuff Girls a couple. Of years ago. Oh, is that you? Good. Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, and they they recast the Powerpuff Girls when E.G. Daly and Tara Strong and were still around, Kathy Cavadini, and um, it. I don't know that it failed miserably, but it wasn't even close to the original one. And the other actors were, they still work every day. Yeah. And the fans looked at it and go, wait a minute, what? Yeah. That doesn't work. So if they're available, obviously now with bugs, it takes three or four people to replace Mr. Blank, right. but Mr. Blank is gone. Yeah. So that's different. And, I, and the power of Bugs Bunny as a, as a financially right. viable franchise character is a big deal. Right. You know, the original voice of Mickey Mouse is gone too. Now this is my turn. I'm sorry. Um, sorry. Anyway, um, so that's a different animal. But in this case, like, you know, Tom Kenny has been SpongeBob for, I don't know, 20 years or so. Yeah. And unless he didn't want to do it, it'd be stupid to, to do a SpongeBob movie Without with uh, Jim Carrey as SpongeBob, right? You know, so yeah, he, Mr. Spielberg, he doesn't need me to tell you that, but he's a remarkable man, way over and above his prodigious skills as a producer director. He's just a decent human, and and that's really cool. Yeah, and no, I, I can't wait to watch it. You know? Me too. I'm so excited. I haven't seen a completed episode yet. I'm I'm really excited. Right, and you mentioned Jim Carrey. Um, was that difficult to like work hmm. with Stanley? in the mask animated show? Yeah, you know, that was an interesting story because um, you're right, I was, I got to be Jim Carrey in the animated version of The Mask yeah. on CBS for three seasons. Um, at, and it was pretty unique circumstance because the movie was, you know, a, hot as a firecracker. Right. And of course they jumped on it and said, let's make a cartoon. That happens all the time. So I got the job. Um, I don't know Jim. My friend Maurice LaMarche knows Jim very well. They were both stand-ups in, in Toronto years ago. Um, but uh, when I got the gig, it was kind of an interesting dynamic because for the first four or five sessions, uh, there were, because the property was so hot, you had people from New Line Cinema, you had people from CBS, you had people from the toy company, all that stuff behind the glass. So I would do a smoking or you know, you know, um, uh, it, it's party time, whatever I did. Right. And I do a couple of lines and, and then uh, they'd say, hey, great, Rob, hang on a second. And there'd be some discussion. And, so, and then the director would come back and say, Rob, that was great. But you know, in the movie, when Jim does blah, 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 blah. And so the person that really helped me deal with that was uh, Tim Curry, whom I okay. adore. Right. What a talent and a, and a tough son of a bitch. He had a stroke a couple of years ago and man, he still goes and signs stuff. He just, he's just a, he's just a, he's a mensch. He's just a fantastic guy. So, and obviously his acting chops. So Tim could see that I was, it wasn't, I was that I wasn't getting angry, but what I was trying to get my head around was like, look, if you, if you want Jim, you. you're going to have to get Jim and he's not going to do it for the kind of money you're paying me. Right. Also, we only have one mask movie to 
use as a reference point, which was maybe close to two hours, hour and 50 minutes. Well, you've hired me to do, ultimately, I think I did 39 episodes. Well, that's 39 half hours. So that's like doing what, 10 or 12 movies uh, in terms of content. So there's gonna come a point when the references you're using are not gonna be relevant to what I'm doing in the second season. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was Tim Curry who said, my dear, go, my darling, go, my darling. He said, I, I can see what, you know, what this is getting to. I said, well, it's not getting to me. It doesn't make me angry, but either I'm, they're going to turn me loose and let me do what they hired me to do. I'm, I'm a pretty good improviser. I can mess around with it like Jim. Yeah. Or they have to get somebody else, which is possible too. I've been replaced. It's part of show business. So Tim was the one who gave me the confidence to say to the producers, can I talk to you guys maybe 10 minutes before the next session, 15 minutes early? Sure, no problem. And I told them that. I said it completely, authentically, not one lick of anger. I prefaced it by saying, I am so grateful. I know how lucky I am to have this job. The fact that you guys hired me tells me that you think I'm pretty good at it. But if you want me to do what I, what I can do, I want to give you an embarrassment of riches and you can pick through it and say, wow, this is great. This one's probably not as good. And, but this one is more like, you know, so, so if you let me do that, I think we'll be fine. And if I'm not, then right. no harm, no foul. And you have other people. This is Hollywood. Yeah. You can find another guy. And that's, that's all I ask. No hard feelings if it doesn't work. And they could not have been nicer. And, and it taught me to not let things fester. Yeah. Not because everybody wants you to be good. It's not like they're trying to pick you apart. They want you to be good, but they're also protecting their own, you know, what's to try to keep their job. So once I got that out in the open and they turned me loose, they were even going to hire somebody else to sing the mask theme song. And they said to me, because of Animaniacs, they said, well, you sing. Why don't you sing the theme song? I said, no problem. And it's excellent. Um, it's one of the best things I've ever sung. And not so much because of me, because it's a great freaking song. If you Google or go on YouTube and just say mask opening title, that's a killer song. With great arrangement, great horns, really c connects with what the mask is about. And I got to sing it because I, I told them, you know, I, I get that I may not be killing it, but you got to give me a chance to kill it. Right. And, and they did. So it was another lesson learned. But thank you for asking. That was a really fun thing to do. It was oh, exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got one more for you. Um, actually, I got a ton more, but I'm going to keep it just to one. Um, now what's going on in the world now, the, the whole political yeah. climate, you voiced a bunch of, you know, non-white characters. You know, yes. Uh, being the, you know, Johnny, uh, Johnny Quest, yes. One of them. Would you continue to voice non-white uh, actors anymore? No? no, I wouldn't. And I'm so glad you asked. And I actually had this uh, conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And I made that decision probably 10 years ago. Okay. Um, you're correct. When there was the, the first reboot of Johnny Quest was in the mid-80s, I think, or late 80s. And I got the part of Haji, a kid from Flint, Michigan, <laughs> an Anglo from Flint, Michigan. And... I have to say, it never occurred to me that this was good or bad. It was just another job. Right. The gentleman, I think, who did Haji originally, by the way, Tim Matheson was the original Johnny Quest. Oh, wow. Um, 
And I used to watch Johnny Quest. That was a primetime show on ABC when I was a kid. I used to watch it all the time. Oh, it was a great show. Um, but as I recall, the gentleman who did Haji initially, I don't believe was an actor of Indian or East Indian extraction either. Okay. Um, however, not long after that, there was a show, I think it was at Hanna-Barbera, I don't recall, but I was asked to audition for the role of a Native American actor. Okay. And my response, this was probably in the early 90s, my response was, well, this is, you could call Michael Horse, you could call Wes Studi, you could call Graham Greene. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're interested in doing cartoons. My point is that there are choices you could make that are authentic Native American actors and they don't get enough shots anyway. And so I, I passed on the audition and I have since then. And certainly when African-American characters have come around or Asian-American characters have come around, um, I have been in positions where actors, uh, Caucasian actors have done those roles. Uh, they don't anymore. And I chose years ago not to do that. It doesn't make me a hero. It just makes me, I know how tough this gig is. I know how hard it is to get work. And already Asian, Native American, uh, Hispanic, East Indian, Pakistani, uh, African-American actors are all immediately categorized by the way they look in an on-camera realm. Right. And they accept that. My friend Keone Young or Clyde Kuzatsu or Hoon Lee, um, all brilliant actors, but obviously they are most often categorized by the way they look. We're looking for an Asian-American actor or we're looking for an authentic Chinese actor. Right. Great, I'm not gonna get that call. But shame on me if I take that call when it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? No, totally. It's just not right. It's just not ethical. The fact that it's legal or is a non-starter. It's unethical. I know how tough it is to get any job. And if I thought for one moment that I'm going to stand in the way of my friend Clyde Kuzatsu getting a job as an Asian and uh, store owner accessibility on, options I'm curious George even though I could do it never gonna happen and so no I will I don't I uh, I won't do that and uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because all of my friends feel the same way they they really do okay yeah because a lot of actors now are bowing out yes. but also yeah and also because of the nature of of Hollywood and the nature of social media and stuff it takes about two seconds to punch in Native American actors who live in Hollywood. Yeah. You know? So if you really want an authentic Hopi actor, you could probably get one. And you should. Um, but you know what? I, I, I've lived long enough to know that history is contextual. It doesn't make it right, but it explains it. It's like the issue with Gone with the Wind now. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. I, I don't want the movie to go away. But the context of the history that was part of the zeitgeist of that time is important to understand now because things have changed. And it is absolutely important for, I think, especially Caucasian Americans to understand um, that the very people who 
won, uh, you know, um, um, Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar in yeah. a time in which she was unable to eat with the crew. Yeah. And so that is important to understand, not to say that Gone with the Wind is a piece of shit, but to say that it's important now, we've learned things, you know? There are a lot of my friends who are Catholic and they don't go around feeling bad about the Spanish Inquisition. It was, a, it was the context of history. It doesn't excuse it, it explains it, in my view. So we, we can be better. And that's exactly what I like to try to be a part of. So what you, your question was very important and I appreciate you asking. Oh, of course, of course. But Rob, this was unbelievable. It was a real treat for me. Thank you. Go on for hours, but um, your website, robpaulsonlive.com, correct? Right. Right, go check out that, um, his book, Voice. Uh, yes, my voice, my voice, my, my voice is this. Yeah. My, I have a book called Voice Lessons, how a couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky and an Animaniac saved my life. Um, it's not a compendium of, and then I did, and then I did. It's really about the power of these characters, how they help to really give so much joy to other people who've been struggling and many children who didn't make it. And I hear, and you know, the ways in which that power and that joy turns out helped me with my own struggle and, um, and that we can all use that to our own advantage in our own difficult circumstances. So please check out Voice Lessons. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Yakko Pinky, Y-A-K-K-L-P-I-N-K-Y. <laughs> and um, uh, Rob underscore Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N on Instagram and Rob Paulson voice actor on Facebook. And a special thanks to Rob for joining me today. And he just gave you where you can find them on social media. I mean, I can't wait for the Animaniacs reboot. It's going to be fantastic. And if you haven't watched the original yet, shame on you. But it's on Hulu. Go check it out. show is fantastic. I might even go watch a couple episodes after recording this right now. But if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel 19 Or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, it's also on Podbean. Go to livingmyyouth.forever.com for all your merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies. Remember recording this, it's 95 degrees. I don't even know why I mentioned a hoodie right now. But phone cases, onesies, it's all there. A new episode comes in every Wednesday. Stay safe, stay cool, everybody. See you next week.